You know, every week we as a staff, as a teaching staff, whoever's you know, going to be communicating that week, we meet together and we craft a message every week. It, it's sort of like uh, writing a term paper every single week, like 52 weeks a year. And uh, we hope that it's compelling, that it's engaging. We, we hope that it, it meets the, the kaleidoscopic views and needs of, of three different congregations in three different areas. And, and so, you know, we, we've got a certain amount of trepidation about it, a certain amount of fear, you know, f- because we want to represent God properly. You know, it, it's, it's a big deal to represent God. I don't, I don't know if you know that. This is not, this is not like a game, like, a, whoa, we're going to preach today, man. This is like, I'm going to speak to you about the word of God, and hopefully I'll divide it properly and give it to you in a way that you can understand what's going on. And so all of us that communicate, we go through this. Uh, it's sort of like, a, I guess, a fear of public speaking to a degree. Do you know what the number one fears in America is the fear of public speaking? It is like hilarious, you know, you like see this big dude, you know, athlete, you know, man, you know, like linebacker, man, and, and you put a little bitty microphone in his hand about this big and stand him up in front of five people and he's like, hey, he can't say anything. The fear of public speaking. But today I want to talk to you about a fear that, that really is one that we want to embrace. A lot of fears we don't want to. We, we taught you that, you know, you don't need to fear the future, which is really just a, a, another form of the past. You know, we, we don't really fear the future because it's not here yet. We fear the past because of what has happened to us and we don't want it to happen again. You know, that's true. If you've ever been in a bad car wreck, you know how it affects you, you know, driving for years and years after that. I saw Jaws back in the day in 75 and, and I still have a little trouble every night and when the water's not perfectly clear. And, and then we taught you last week about how you uh, need to overcome the fear of rejection. And you don't need to be uh, imprisoned by that, that insecurity that, that, that causes us to be rejected and to even reject other people. But today, I want to talk to you about a fear that we, we need, that we should choose to have, and that every one of us in this room need to embrace. And the quicker we embrace it, the better. And that is the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. And this is a healthy fear of God. It's, it's, it, it, it seems like in our culture, folks, that, that we fear everything but God, when in actuality, we should fear nothing except God. We kind of got it turned around. You know, we're afraid of everything. We're just kind of having this situation all the time. If it's not one thing, it's another thing. And we fear so much that's going on in the world. And so, you know, how can I put this? You very seldom ever see things about the fear of the Lord, you know, like a conference, the fear of the Lord conference. You know, it's not on your coffee mug in the morning. Uh, you know, there's not any t-shirts. I haven't seen t-shirts recently about the fear of the Lord. And I think the lack of the teaching of the fear of the Lord has caused a lot of difficulties in the, the church worldwide. Uh, I, I, I see, you know, some people, they grow up in a church where there's a lot of legalism and, and hard 
preaching and hell, fire and brimstone and, and people repel from that and say, you know, I've been hurt by that, I've been injured, so I don't want anything of that. And so what we do, uh, we have a tendency to have the pendulum swing all the way the other way and now we're gonna just talk about the love of God, love, 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 mercy, 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 kindness, 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 goodness, 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 and the pendulum is going all the way. And now people think, well, you know, they can like live like hell and do whatever they wanna do and be whatever they wanna be and act any kind of way they wanna act because God is a loving and forgiving God. And it's out of balance. It's, it's just this thing that, that we feel like because he's loving and he's forgiving that we can live any old kind of way we want to. And I don't believe that's healthy. I, I think the, the, the Bible teaches us this wonderful balance between the fear of God and the love of God, between the mercy of God and the judgment of God. You know, sometimes there's certain, I've known people, and maybe all of us to one degree or the other, we like out of balance. It's like, man, we just, rather God's coming on you. Real judgmental type attitude. If everybody's not walking just like I'm, you know, or, or else it's like, well, the Lord loves everybody and whatever you want to do, you know. And we have trouble many times balancing. There's nothing more graceful than see a, a man or a woman on a, on a tight wire between two buildings or two, two mountains with a chasm underneath them. And they are just walking with that balancing stick. Just, and it's just this, it's like a rhythm where they just keep the balance going, you know. It's, it's constantly moving. And really, that's what we need in our life. Our God is not just a God of just love all the time and, and, and winking at sin, but he's not this judgmental tyrant that's waiting to kill somebody. It's this wonderful balance that we need to learn to walk in this. I think Romans chapter 11 gives us a glimpse into that. Now, Romans chapter 11 is really talking about about. Israel being the natural olive branch that has been grafted into the, the, the root, the kingdom of God, and, and, and the wild olive branch, which are us Gentiles who have been grafted in. And, and he teaches us there that if God rejected the natural branch when they were disobedient and would not follow and believe, how much more will he reject the wild olive branch? So he says, you need to watch yourself. Don't, don't, don't be so high-minded. And then he tells this verse in chapter 11, verse 22. He says, I want you to consider, therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of the Lord. This one, the goodness of the Lord, the severity of the Lord. This wonderful balance. And you can't talk about the mercy of God unless you talk about the, the judgment of God. And you can't talk about the love of God unless you talk about the wrath of God. God like this peg leg God we, we want to serve. You know, he's all or on one side or all on the other side, but God wants a beautiful balance. And in that, there's words like reverence and respect that we use to describe God. And, and they're great words, but as usual with time and culture, words change meanings. And they, you know, uh, like awesome, for instance, like, like you know, my Awesome, awesome is such an awesome word, but we use awesome like, wasn't that an awesome ball game last night with LSU and Ole Miss? Depends what side of the field you're on. Awesome. It was almost like love and judgment. You know what I mean? It's like people were loving Ole Miss, but I think LSU was judging Les Miles. It's like poor Les, we knew him well. 
You know how LSU fans are. They'll love you a little while, but if you don't produce, you will out. And so we apply those words to God, reverence and respect, but they kind of lose their meaning and, and they, they sort of uh, kind of get misused, used up. But I want to give you a definition of the fear of God here because it's really a cluster of words. It, it's not just one word. It's not just one phrase. And so today, a working, let's give you a working definition of the fear of God. And this is what it is. It's a, the 24-7 360 degree awareness that everything we do, say, and think is in the front of a holy and just magnetic God who sees everything we do and judges everything we do. See how quiet it gets? Because we sometimes forget that. We just put that out of our mind and we don't even entertain it. But that God watches us. When our daughter Carrie was a little bitty kid about this tall, we'd been saved and she used to get the Bible out and put it on a little table in, in the middle of the living room. She'd just throw it down on this table and she'd open it up in, anywhere she could find it. And she would just say this. She says, this is the word of God. <laughs> and then she would say, she would step around, she'd say, and God has a book. And I knew what he meant. She meant God has a book and he's writing down things in his book. And so God's got a book and he's writing down things in our book. Now, when you think about this, when you think about God judging, God watching uh, for believers, for people, and I understand this is good theology, for people who have received Christ, their sins have been judged in Jesus. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the deal. That's what God said to do. Jesus will die, pay the debt for the sins of mankind. We who believe and embrace that have our sins judged at Calvary. But our works, how we live, will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat of Christ. The and right there, some scholars say that we'll be given crowns and, and you know, rewards. And, and some people are going to get crowns. And they say some people are going to get jewels in their crown. You know, nice jewelry crown, gold maybe or something like that. And some people might just get like an old Burger King crown, you know. I mean, just, I mean, it's a crown, all right. Not a greater crown, but it is a crown. You know, it just depends. Rewards or lack of rewards. And the Bible says some people are going to be glad when they just get a little bit of the old paper crown. And some people live that way. But one day we stand before Jesus and he judges because he is the judge. And with that in mind, as we raise our children and then you who have children, you who will have children, understand that there's like two components when it comes to raising children and the things of fearing God. We should teach by example when they're young because they cannot understand at the age of two, three, four, some five, some all the way up to eight or nine. They just don't get it. There's, there is an age of accountability. It's not an age like 12 years of age. Some people teach at 12 years of age, you are accountable. No, some kids get it by eight, six. Some kids don't get it till later. It just depends. But we need to teach the fear of God. But you know what we need to teach first of all? And listen to me, parents, you need to have this. You need to teach your children to fear you. And I don't mean fear like afraid that you're going to hit them, abuse them. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about they should fear you because they should do what you know, uh, what they know you expect out of them. I'll tell you, the fear of parents, a child who has a conscience towards wanting to please their parents will be some of the best kids on the earth. 
because their conscience is built where I want to please mom and daddy, and if I do anything that displeases them, it breaks my heart. That's a conscience. They don't have that towards God necessarily when they're two, three, four years old or whatever, but then you teach them the fear of the Lord, and then the time comes where they grow and they become accountable. They realize that they stand before a holy God and they have to make a choice whether they will serve him or not. And then you can relinquish the the fear of parenting, you understand, as they embrace the fear of the Lord. When they're little, you're their God. Understand that. You're the example of who God is in their life. Every character, every principle that you teach, they will then transfer that to God as they see no hypocrisy in your life. So there's the, the, the fear of God and the fear of parents that works together through the conscience. So you teach that by example and also with word. So we fear God. And, and this thing of fear is a foundational truth. It's, it's something that everyone needs to have. It's like a foundational emotion that operates in our life. And you can block it off. It's very, very easy to sear a conscience and to block it off. But we want to stay open before the Lord. And it's going to affect areas of our life. And I want to give them to you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first word. Or or remember, it won't be hard to remember. Remember wisdom. Wisdom. If I would ask you in this room, how many of you want wisdom? Every one of you say, I want wisdom. We want wisdom to do what's right. But wisdom comes from a source. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fearing God opens you up to the wisdom of God. It's just so wonderful. That's how we begin our relationship with God. Did you know that you didn't begin your relationship with God by loving God? You didn't walk around and say, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. No, you didn't love the Lord. You didn't know the Lord. You didn't love the Lord. He instigated the whole situation and drew you, and you feared him because when you're a sinner like I was, and all of you, everybody has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you're a sinner and you you all of a sudden realize that God is real and that he is perfect and holy and all-knowing, There's only one thing that you can do, and that's humble yourself before him. To know that God is real. I remember the day that that in uh, uh, 1979, when I first realized, I was 26 years old, I first realized that God was real and that God knew where I was and that God was in the room with me. I wasn't a Christian, but he was drawing me and doing great things, and I realized, and you know what came upon me? You know what emotion I felt, first of all? It was like, praise God. It was like, God, you're so good. I remember fear. My God is real. He really is real. Oh my, he's real. He, he knows where I'm, I, I really, he knows where I am, and He's in the room with me, and I was fearful. And that is what led me to choosing Jesus. I didn't love him. He first loved me while I was yet sinning. Christ died for me. You see, so fear comes before love. Once you fear, you embrace God, you love God. There's so much fear in the world today. I mean, even right this very moment, the world is captivated by ISIS, by these extremists, these Islamic extremists who are going about just terrorizing the entire world. 
And you are looking to leadership. What does my spiritual leadership think or say about this? Now, I'm getting ready to tell you what I think and say about it. You can either embrace it or reject it. I preached on rejection last Sunday, so I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I believe as Christians, as individuals, you, you, you individual Christians, we are to pray. We are to, the Bible says Jesus teaches us to love our enemies and pray for those who despitefully use and abuse us. So we should do that as believers. But as the government of the United States of America and other governments of the world, because governments are supposed to do mainly two things, build roads and make war, protect its citizens. I believe the governments of this world with the military that we possess should seek out and exterminate from the face of this world every terrorizing individual who hides behind the guise of a religion in order to murder innocent people. Yes. Hallelujah. You understand? That's the form. That's why we have government. That's why we have military. Romans 13 says that the authority comes from God and it is there. The sword is there to punish the evil doers. So let's make no bones about it. They're hideous creatures who are murderizing and terrorizing the entire world. And I believe before it's said and done, they will be brought down and broken to pieces. Amen? Now, did you get the balance? Did you get the balance of the love of God and the wrath of God? Did you get that balance? I wanted to make sure you got that balance. Because some people are all out of balance, man. You know, you want to get a gun and run out somewhere, you just get shot dead about five seconds. You know what I mean? We ain't no military people. We don't, man, people are carrying guns nowadays that if things start shooting, I'm running from the good guy. <laughs> I'm carrying passion. You know, make sure you understand how to operate that weapon you got in your pants right now. Okay? Now, Jesus, Jesus balances this out. Okay, you ready to get balanced? Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, do not be afraid of those who can kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. There it is. Who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There it is. Don't fear the one who's able to just kill the body, but fear the one who is able to kill the body and take the soul and put it into hell. And only God has that power to do that. But that's not his will for his creation. Listen to me, that's not God's will for his creation. Man has sinned against God and done atrocious things. But God, because he loves us, sent his son Jesus to die for us to take the judgment and the wrath of God for the sins of man so that man does not have to go to hell. In order to go to hell, you have got to choose to go to hell. 
You have to make a choice and say, I defy all the grace and mercy of God, all the love of God, and I want to choose the wrath of God. Even though Jesus took the wrath of God, get out of the way, Jesus. I want to experience my own wrath. That sounds insane, doesn't it? But so many people live that way. They do that. There's wisdom. Wisdom comes from the word of God, but you have to make room for God in your life. Like at Starbucks. When you go to Starbucks, which by the way is a coffee shop, they're not a church, they're not a parachurch organization, they're not going to act like a church. If you want a red cup with Merry Christmas on, buy one and go get your coffee. They're a coffee shop. Did you get that? Starbucks is a coffee shop that's not run by Christians. Got some Christians work there, but I don't think the owners are Christians. I don't think so, but neither are the owners of Winn-Dixie. And you buy meat and eat your chicken, don't you? When you go there, they, they say, when you ask for coffee, I always ask for blonde, because that's the weakest coffee, because I'm a weakling in a coffee drinker, you know what I mean? And so I asked for, give me a tall blonde. And that sounds bad to some people because my wife's a brunette. Hallelujah. But, uh, and they'll ask you, do you want room? I mean, when you ask for a tall blonde and they ask you if you want a room, that, that just gets worse and worse. Like, wait a minute. I told you they're not a church, but watch this. What that means is we want to leave room in your coffee cup for cream and sugar and, you know, milk or whatever you put there, right? So make room. And in our definition of the fear of God, there needs to be room in there for God to do things. Philippians chapter uh, two says this in verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Did you know that it's biblical to tremble? That it's all right for you to tremble in the presence of your God? Now I know he's our father, I know he's our friend, Jesus said I'm your friend, but, but he's a holy, perfect God. And even in the Bible when men stood before just angels, they fell down like dead men. Trembling, shaking. Daniel was shaking when he got prophecies. You know, people who come in the presence of God, they, they understand that and they quake. Even Peter, before Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and, and all the grace of God, the power of God came, uh, Jesus said, go fish. Peter, Peter said, well, we fished all night, we ain't caught nothing. He said, go out there and throw it out over there. So he caught a bunch of fish. And when he saw the fish, you know what happened? He said, I am a wicked man. I'm a sinner. I'm telling you, the goodness of God will show you your wickedness, which is good because then you get to turn from it. Then repentance gets to take place. The goodness of God draws us to repentance. John, before he, on the Isle of Patmos, John gets the revelation of Jesus Christ and when he, when he gets up in the midst of this thing, he sees an angel and he falls down like dead. He just, the angel said, get up, I'm just an angel. So if people shake and quake at, at an angel, shouldn't we shake and quake and tremble at the, at the awesome power and wonderfulness in the presence of an almighty God? But we're a casual society. We like casual things, man. And we've made everything very casual. Our relationships are casual. Our dress is casual. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
until we transfer it into our relationship with God and we become so casual about God. We, you know, everything's just so cool. It's like, hey, he's my homeboy. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the big man upstairs. Or, yeah, yeah, you know the big dude. Yeah, bro, hey, bro. I just wonder if God materialized in the front of us, would we say, hey, bro, how's it going today? Or would we argue with God like I hear so many people say, well, the Lord told me to do this. I said, well, I ain't doing that. You have to do something really big, Lord, to do that. You got to, you got, whoa, what? We need the fear of the Lord. The absolute wonderful fear of the Lord. I mean, we can't take his name in vain. We can't joke about him all the time. And, hey, yeah, Holy Ghost and stuff like that. Just, yeah, Holy Ghost. You, what you need is the Holy Ghost. I mean, if the Holy Spirit stood up in front of you, would you say, hey, Holy Ghost? You wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. But we take certain liberties because we don't realize that God's watching. We just do that. It, it's, it's, it's a thing that we do. We make light. We live in America. Things are light. You know? And you know what's wrong with our government and nation? We don't fear God anymore. You know what's wrong with our schools? We don't fear God anymore. You, you know what's wrong with our parenting? We don't fear God anymore. Do you, do you know what's, what's why church attendance is so uh, uh, optional? Because we don't fear God anymore. You, you know why, why so many people, you know, they don't serve. They just constantly take, take, take and never give because you don't fear God. I mean, let's be honest. It's like, well, pastor, what do you say? I'm saying fear God and let's get with the program and start following him with all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our mind and plus all of our strength. That's what I'm challenging here, that we get with the program, that we not be so self-willed. You know why so many people blow through marriages and relationships and why the vow that we make at an altar uh, doesn't mean anything after we get in a fight? Because we don't fear God. We vow before God at the altar. Yeah, before God and before these witnesses, I promise, I vow to you that I will be true to you, that I will be faithful to you, and that I will forgive you and forbear. We will love each other, and it's going to be great all our lives. And we're going to end until death do us part. And then something gets up in the relationship. And instead of fearing God and, and, and saying, we got to work this out because Jesus is Lord and God, this is what God wants. We get angry with each other. We get rejected and we get all sideways and we don't do the will of God. And I'm not putting anybody down in here who's gone through a divorce Divorce has touched our family. That's not what it's about. Don't get a guilt and a shame mentality like you're getting whipped. Just realize that that wasn't the will of God maybe. Could it be that we've done things that were not the will of God in our life before? Yes, I have. You have. But it shouldn't change the things that we start going after God. It wouldn't be hard for me. I could commit adultery on Jan. And guess what? If I confess it to God, he would forgive me. She would kill me, he would forgive me. <laughs> I would wanna make sure I get my forgiveness from God before, yeah, because she would just kill me, she'd slay me. She's not here right now, she's, she just picked her mom up at the, at the hospital, she spent the whole week with her mom, had hip surgery, things are great, they should be home by now, so we're glad about that, but uh, you know, I would be forgiven, but then I'd have to stand before my wife, before my kids, before my family, before you, before my leadership, and I would have to, I'd have to say, and, and I don't want that. See, I don't want to destroy my life and I don't want to destroy my, my, my ministry. I don't want to destroy my reputation. But greater than that is the fear of the Lord. 
And sometimes people have so much more power in our life than God. Because we do fear what people think more than what God thinks. And that's just kind of backwards. We want to make a change on that. We want to establish this foundation. And we want to tell God, you know what, you're God and I'm not. And you need to run this show, Father, because I'm making a mess out of it. And wisdom will come into your life. You see, if you fear God, you'll hear God. And if you hear God, you'll fear God. This wonderful cycle. Hear and fear, hear and fear, hear and fear. The second thing is this, is that we, we need wisdom, but we also need to walk. Write that word down, or remember that thing. Wisdom, now walk. Our walk is, is very, very important. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, it speaks to that. It says, what does the Lord your God ask of you? I mean, I love when the Bible asks a question and then it answers it. I don't have to answer it. It's like, what does the Lord ask of you? All right, this is what he asks. But to fear the Lord, there it is. He wants you to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, right? And then he wants you to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to fear him. He lays it straight out for us. He wants us to fear him. The perfect balance is right here in Deuteronomy of love and fear. You love him, you fear him. And you know the amazing thing? Right in the middle of that, you know what it is? You obey him. It's just right there. Are you getting this or have you been in church so long that you're bored with what I'm saying? Perfect balance. Love, fear. Represented and expressed by obedience. It's so wonderful. The perfect balance. Because if we don't balance this thing of love and fear, guess what we're gonna end up with? If we don't balance the fear of the Lord in our life, we're gonna end up with fluff and fluff always leads to error. It always detaches us from God. We gotta walk. We got wisdom, we gotta walk step by step, and we need the word of God. Now, I'm gonna give you some homework here. What if I told you that I'm getting ready to tell you a couple of sentences that will change your life forever? What would you say? Would you say, I think I'd like to hear that? Okay, here it is. This is gonna change your life forever. If you'll start reading the one-year Bible every day, whether it's in the morning, on your lunch hour, whether it's at night before you go to bed, if you start reading the one-year Bible, it will change your life forever. What do you think about that? Do you believe that? Well, you know, we, we embrace what we believe, we reject what we don't believe. If we believe it, we embrace it, we engage in it, and if we don't believe it, we just reject it. We just don't do it. But if you'll do that, God will convict you, instruct you, love you, empower you, direct you. He'll do all these things for you if you'll read your one-year Bible. It's that simple. I don't know if it can get any simpler than that. That's pretty easy homework. God will speak to you. You'll hear him, you'll fear him. You'll hear him, you'll fear him. It's so good. And in that, you'll realize how much he loves you. And if you ever get through the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Lamentations, because man, that's tough talk there. God laid it down, man. Every, every morning I open my Bible, it's Ezekiel. I say, oh Lord. He said, go tell my people that I'm going to, because they did. And I'm so glad that we live in an hour of grace and that God just doesn't bring everything down right on you. But then again, Ecclesiastes says, because judgment is delayed, people have in their heart the desire to do evil continually. 
So it's very, very important that we understand this balance and this word in our life. Psalm 25, 12 says, who are those who fear the Lord? Who are they? He will show them the path they should choose. Wow. If you fear the Lord, the Lord's gonna show you a path. How he's gonna do that? His word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The things that are directly in front of you and the broad things of life, the pathway of life. It's right there and it's all in the word. Proverbs chapter 16, verse six tells us unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people do what? They avoid what? Evil. Fear the Lord prompts us to avoid evil. Stay real, stay with the fear of the Lord because sin has its kicks, but sin also has its kickbacks. Then there's the witness. You got this wisdom, you got this walk, you got the word, man, it's all there. Now there's a witness. Did you know that you are a witness for the kingdom of God if you're following Jesus now? And being a witness, Paul the apostle in, in, in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.11 said this, because we understand, he said, we got this thing, we understand our fearful responsibilities to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Did you know that we're working hard to persuade others to join church? Did you know that God wants to quadruple, quintuple? I don't know what's the next tuple after that, but he wants to do that. Did you know that God wants to expand his kingdom beyond measure like the stars of the sky? And did you know that you are a key component in that? Did you know that we need a fearful understanding of our responsibility to God. So this is what we've done. In the month of December, we're gonna be doing at the movies. We've got these tickets. Jessica, just talk to you about those. I want you to take several of these and bring these and invite somebody to church. Now watch, I'm getting ready to tell you how important this can be. You say, well, it's at the movies and so they just won't come to church service. No, this is what we believe. This is what we teach you. Jesus is the head of the church, the church is the body. There's no difference between the body and the head. When you invite people to Jesus or you invite people to his body, you're inviting them all to Jesus. If you'll invite people to Jesus, they will come, God will touch them and their life will be changed. This is what I believe, this is God's plan. We use that, the movies, as a draw. You know, church people, we enjoy it, but guess what? It's a great time, like Jessica said, to invite your friends. Now, watch this. Let's say you invite your friend to church to see at the movies, and he comes or she comes, you know, four times, and on the last Sunday, they raise their hand and say, I need to give my life to God. You know what you just did by handing them out this little ticket? By the way, it costs a lot of money, so don't waste them. You know, you, know, you, know what you, you know what you've done? You know what this is? This is a lifeline to a soul that's dangling over hell by a rotten corn stalk. A little life, a thread of existence, a breath, a beating heart. And you're throwing them a lifeline. And when they choose Jesus, you just snatched a soul out of the fire of hell. That's exactly, how many of you, if God would come to you and say, would you mind snatching at least one soul out of the fire of hell, would say, yes, Lord, I would like that. Then do it. Go ahead and try it. There is absolutely no greater satisfaction in your Christian walk besides knowing God than knowing that you brought somebody to God. And it doesn't matter who 
plants. It doesn't matter who waters. It only matters who gives the increase, and that's God himself. So I'm telling you, we have a fearful responsibility that we want to understand to be a witness and persuade other people, and it's going to work out fine. God loves everybody. God wants everybody to be saved. It's just great, isn't it? And even if some people come to God because they fear going to hell, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter why a lot of people come to God. They might have a divorce, might be crippled, might have got in a wreck, might have lost all their money. But when they come to God, they don't know why. We just come to God. And then when we receive him, he brings revelation into our life. And then we realize, oh my, that's why. Most people come to God broken up, messed up, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly. And sometimes outwardly also. And so it's good. It's wonderful. So let's do that. And then the last word I want you to remember is worship. Worship. Because everything we do is worship. You got that? Everything we do is worship. And one thing we do, and, and, and Jessica just shared that with you also. Jessica was preaching good today. Uh, she shared that, that uh, you know, we give as an extension of worship. It's an extension of our worship. Jan and I, uh, you know, we got saved in 1980 and we, hadn't, we didn't know anything about giving or tithing or money in the church, nothing like that. The, the, where I came from in the religious realm, nobody gave any money. I, don't, I didn't know anything about that but, or anything like that or giving or anything. But I, it was about two months after we got saved and I told Jan one morning, I said, baby, I just feel like we need to give. We hadn't heard about uh, no, you know, money at the church we were going to. They didn't even talk about it. I didn't even know about it. I just felt I had to give. And so we started writing checks. We didn't have any money. We were in debt up to here, but we started writing checks. And that's been 35 years ago. And so for the last 35 years, we have given the tithe, a tenth of everything we make before tax. And we've never missed not one tithe. Now watch this. If you hold on to your tithe, if you keep it, your finances are cursed. If you pay your tithe, your finances are blessed. That's it. Now remember, if we don't believe something, we won't em embrace it. If we don't understand something, as human nature, we reject it. And so people reject this every day. I feel a little rejection going on now, but I preached good last week. You understand? But you're not rejecting me because it's not about me. The money in the church is not about the pastor, uh, contrary to what so many people who don't know God have said. I get a paycheck like you do. I work all week, I get a paycheck. Hallelujah. Thank God for a paycheck. What I'm saying is that the Bible is very, very clear. In Deuteronomy, watch this. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, says, make an offering of 10%, a tithe of all the produce which grows in your field year after year. Not just for a month when you feel convicted, year after year, continually. Now, what does that produce in our life? It goes on in the 23rd verse to say, doing this will teach you always to do what? To fear the Lord your God. You mean to tell me that paying the tithe teaches me to fear the Lord? Absolutely. I fear not paying my tithe. I fear that. I know I could have a nice couch. I know I could have a car. I know with the money that I've given in 35 years, I would have a new home. But guess what? I have everything I need. And anyway, we just sang the song, everything I've got means nothing. Jesus, you're my one thing. Everything I need right now is in Jesus. You understand? We fear everything 
but God. And in essence, we should fear nothing but God. Look, if you're a believer in this room right now, I want you to think about those words, wisdom, walk, word, witness, and worship. Now you have to examine yourself. You know, we used to haul people up to the front of the room all the time. And people would come and they'd drag themselves in and we'd, but now, you know what? I believe that God is able to speak to people if they're open. So if you're believing in this room right now, just bow your heads. Matter of fact, everybody, just, let's just close our eyes. Let's just spend a little quality time with God right now. If you're not sure that you know God, just wait a moment. We're gonna, we're gonna talk to you in a moment. Right now, I wanna talk to the people of God in this room. I mean, the, those of you who say, Jesus is Lord. We're not talking about stumbling and we're not talking about making mistakes and all that. We're talking about not fearing God. If you don't have a healthy fear of the Lord, you wanna ramp it up right now. You wanna say, Lord, right now, I've not feared you the way I should. Go ahead, talk to him. But God, right now, I wanna put everything in the proper perspective. You are almighty God and I fear you. I reverence you, God. I respect you, the fullest definition of the word. I want my life to count, God. I want the wisdom in the walk. I want your word alive in me. I want to witness to a lost and dying world. I want to worship you with everything I have. Come on, make that commitment to the Lord right now, people of God. Let him touch you. Come on, break through. Breakthrough. And while they're doing that, I want to talk to you in this room who, maybe you're like me when I was 27. I just didn't know God. I, I don't think I hated God, but I was against God, but I didn't know it. I was all mixed up, blinded. You know, you can't blame a blind man for stumbling. We were blinded. But I want to shed a little light in your life right now. When you choose Jesus, you choose the best in all of existence and all of eternity. We're sinners. We need to be forgiven. God is perfect. We get afraid when we get in the front of a perfect God. And so I just want you to have the healthy fear right now. If you're a person you've never accepted Christ or maybe you have but you've turned your back and you've got so casual with him you don't even know him any longer. He's just an acquaintance from a bygone era. But if you're in here right now and you say, Pastor Van, I need Jesus. I really do. And I'm serious. I want to pray for you right where you are. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I just want you to sh just shoot your hand straight up so only I can see it. Come on, if you say, that's me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, in the back. Yeah, thank you so much. So many people don't know God. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, yes. So many people don't know God. They just know about Him. But they've never experienced the freedom of the removal of sin from a human life. Come on, I'm gonna give you one more chance. If you haven't raised your hand yet, but you say, but Pastor, I I'm just gonna step out right now in faith. Just lift your hand. I wanna pray for you right where you are. Anybody else in this room? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you so much, yes. Right here, right now. Come on, all together right now. Something really, really great is getting ready to happen. 
We pray a small prayer from a big heart and our God hears and he does something really, really large. We're gonna all pray together, out loud, together to help those. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with us. Remember, you're praying to God and he's listening to you right now. You've got his ear. Say these words, say, Father in heaven. Come on now, Father, we love you. We thank you for forgiveness of sin, for the death of Jesus, and ask you to forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me a brand new person inside. I give you my life completely. I surrender to you right now, and I thank you for loving me and for caring about me and for forgiving my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. I want to thank the Lord right now. Come on, for doing something wonderful. Remember, fear the Lord. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.